Welcome back, everyone, to the front line with Joe and Joe. Joe Pasillo and Joe Resinello. Oh, you're exactly right, Joe. We work for the man upstairs as you do. You're setting me up quite well. You just gave me an alley-oop. The greatest revolutionary act you can commit right now is to open your mouth and speak the truth. Whether you're an academic or you're a regular guy, we have to be fearless. And once more, dear brothers and sisters, let us go into the breach. Hello again, everyone, and welcome back to the front line with Joe and Joe. Joe Pasillo, as always, joined by Joe Resinello. And once more, dear brothers and sisters, let us go in to the breach on the Veritas Catholic Radio Network, 1350 on your AM dial, 103.9 on your FM dial, spreading the truth of the Catholic faith to the New York City metropolitan area. You know, we always ask you to download the app, the Veritas Catholic Radio Network mobile app, so that you could have access to all of our station's content. And hey, if you like what Joe and I do, two main places to find us on social media, The Frontline with Joe and Joe on YouTube and at with Joe and Joe on Twitter. We're really trying to build up our Twitter following. So at with Joe and Joe on Twitter. Now, Joe Resinello, that Twitter is actually a free speech platform. Okay. So we could, uh, we could build that up today. Now you talk about Joe Resinello, you talk about going into the breach. Well, one thing you have to do, especially if you're a Catholic man, all right, particularly in America, if you're going to go into the breach, well, you gotta, you know, it's like anything else. You can't just jump right in. You can't, you can't start bench pressing 300 pounds if you haven't been to the gym in about eight to 10 years. Okay. And there's, there's a lot of things that we could do spiritually and physically to get ourselves in shape uh, for the culture war that we're in the spiritual battle that we, we all as Catholics know that we're in. Okay. Cause we don't stick our heads in the sand. We know exactly what's going on out there. And the reason why I bring all that up is because now today we're very pleased to have on the show, James Baxter, who is the CEO and co-founder of Exodus 90. Now, many of you out there uh, know about Exodus 90. Some background for those of you who don't. Since 2013, Exodus 90 has evolved into a powerful 90-day spiritual exercise that uh, that reaches across the globe to impact fraternities in more than 65 countries, freeing over 50,000 uh, bishops, priests, and laymen from enslavement. So there's a regimen of daily prayer, asceticism, and fraternity uh, Exodus 90 summons men back to the foundations of their faith, strip, stripping them of worldly addictions and reinvigorating their devotion to Christ. Now, about James, very quickly, James is a co-founder and has served as CEO of Exodus 90, uh, Exodus Inc., who are the makers of Exodus 90, since 2015. He attended St. John Vianney Seminary in St. Paul, Minnesota, and St. Meinrad Seminary and School of Theology in Indiana. James lives in Fort Wayne with his wife, Colleen, son, Joseph, and daughter, Genevieve. James Baxter, welcome to the front line with Joe and Joe, brother. Hey, Joe and Joe, it's a privilege and a joy to, to be with you today. Thank you so much for uh, the invitation. You're welcome. Uh, and this is going to be a great conversation. I remember when I was, when uh, my buddy uh, first told me about Exodus 90, and I was like, what is that? I mean, that sounds right. And I'm not going to lie to you, okay? Um, I failed in many ways, all right? Um, I, I, I kind of, it's, it's very rigorous. But I know, I know, I couldn't tell you how, but I know that there was fruit from it. I know things were, I was better afterwards, okay, than I was before doing it. And we're going to tell the audience, you know, really what that means, okay? So with that, I'm going to hand it over to Joe Resinello, and we'll get a great conversation started here. 
James, we always start with a prayer in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, amen. Remember, O most gracious Virgin Mary, never was it known that anyone who sought your help or sought your intercession was left unaided. Inspired by this confidence, we fly unto you, a virgin of virgins, our mother. To you we come, for you we stand, sinful and sorrowful. O Mother, the Word incarnate, despise not our petitions, but in your clemency hear and answer us. Amen. amen. Name of the Father, amen. Son, Holy Spirit. Amen. amen. Well, James, as you know, uh, you're a prayerful man, a man of God. Uh, God wastes nothing. Um, you, at, at first, uh, felt the call to the priesthood. You spent some time in the seminary, and then you discerned out of it. Again, God wastes nothing. What did you learn from that experience, and how did it prepare you for married life? Uh, to be honest, when we were putting together this this you know bio and the questions, it jumped out at me because like I look at my life, um, I I got married later in life, forty three. I never thought uh, I would get married at forty three. If you asked me that in college, um, I would have said that was not going to happen. But those twenty years from college to then, God formed me. Um, you know, I, I became chaste. I, I became very involved in, in service work, missionary work. Um, and then I got married and then I have five kids in nine years. So, I mean, like God wastes nothing. So I ask you that, how did the seminary prepare you for married life? I think the way you framed that is perfect. And it's, uh, I don't use the same language, but it resonates very deeply with me. And it's almost as I grow older, I'm 31 years old now. Uh, but even as I look back on, you know, experiences as a kid through high school into college, I find that loose ends in my life from like many even decades ago, have like come together in some pretty marvelous ways. And uh, I really think that that's a Catholic vision for what it means to be a child, you know, and for us to be a son, you know, of God and, you know, through our baptisms uh, into, into our Lord. So, um, yeah, God, God's wasted nothing in my life. I, I would say and echo the same thing. I think, um, I had a little bit of a different high school experience. Um, and I, I really attribute that to my, my parents, uh, some mentors, but just the grace of God, uh, I was very involved, uh, at the parish. And, uh, when I wasn't on the golf course, um, making a run at it, I was, uh, I was pretty much at church, serving liturgy, uh, learning to pray. And, um, you know, just from that time in high school and kind of developing that interior relationship with God, I just, I felt that the the first things should be the first in my life. And, um, you know, what, what could I do but give every energy, fiber, gift, skill that I have, you know, in the service of God and, and his holy church. So that led me and a number of my friends actually to the seminary. Um, you know, that's, uh, maybe a weird thing to say, you know, probably not most, you know, most high schoolers probably, probably don't have that, that same kind of trajectory, you know, but that was definitely my own. And, um, yeah, those college years were so formative. You know, I went to St. John Vianney College Seminary in St. Paul, Minnesota, and I encountered just some amazing priests, uh, and amazing professors. Uh, I'd say like on the intellectual side, uh, it changed my life in a profound way, because I think even, you know, growing up in the faith and being involved in youth ministries, uh, there's still a tendency, and I think there's a real tendency today to to separate your faith life, you know, from your real life in a way. And even just how you think about things like, okay, I, I do my service work over here, and then I have my professional aspirations over here, and maybe my family life, you know, in another place. And when I was at Catholic Studies in St. Paul, you know, they really just drilled it into us that faith, the act of faith, 
is the highest form of reasoning. And it is a fundamentally reasonable thing uh, to believe in God and to act upon, you know, his influences. And I say that because, you know, in that kind of vision, you know, for Catholicism, the cross is the measure of everything, you know, not just, uh, you know, your moral life, but it's the measure of the markets and it's the measure of, you know, the sciences, uh, the truth relates to everything and unites in the face of the truth, our Lord, uh, Jesus Christ. And so this, this had a huge impact upon me and it's really shaped uh, my vision and, and work here uh, at, at Exodus. But um, over time, I would just say through my discernment in the seminary, I can kind of just felt this little bit of a disconnect between me and the tra trajectory I was on. And it took me a long time to really come to grips with that. And it was a really painful and frankly, ascetical process to kind of let it go. Um, you know, and, and it was kind of in that that time, those last couple of years in formation where I just felt a deep attachment and calling uh, to the world, you know, and, and, and my deep, my deep passion, my deep mission is to, um, you know, bring the face of our Lord, you know, to bear, you know, upon the world and to serve in that place, you know, with all its distractions we're here uh, at Exodus today. So I would just resonate, you know, deeply with what you've said. He, he will uh, James Baxter joining us here at the front line with Joe and Joe. James, for those of you who are just joining us, is the CEO of Exodus 90. And we're going to get into some of the details of what Exodus 90 involves. But the key here is this. I've heard people recently, James, some of our Cal Calvinist brothers and sisters out there, okay, they talk about, like, they, they want to make Christianity comport with Americanism, all right? And I have a place where I'm going with this, all right? And what you hear a lot about is freedom. Aren't we free? Aren't we free? Aren't we free? That's all we hear is, aren't we free to do these things? My conscience, my conscience. Jesus did not come to give us freedom to do anything. He came and he gives us freedom from things, sin, attachments, things that are destructive, okay? There's a big difference between the way so many people look at Christianity in America and what authentic Christianity is as taught by the Catholic Church, okay? Jesus frees us from sin. He frees us from these attachments, okay? We need to remember that as Catholics, is okay? And, and we need to broadcast that out there. We have a warped—now, here's my point, James. We have a warped, distorted view of freedom in this country, all right? And because of that, many men in particular, including many Catholic men, have fallen into addictions, enslavements. Exodus 90 is the means, a means by which you could begin the process or completely break this enslavement, break these addictions. Talk a little bit about the distorted view of freedom that we have in this country, which really means license, let's, let's face it, okay, and how Exodus is created to help us to, to, to combat that. It's funny that you talk about this kind of Americanism and, uh, you know, even in our experience of Catholicism in, in the United States, um, my brother and I were just reflecting on how probably, you know, two of the most influential traditions on, you know, Christianity is kind of a, a form of legalism and Puritanism. And when you look at the history of the church, <laughs> those things don't jive very well, well, you know, with the full vision of Catholicism. And it's kind of like the worst of every world, you know, in my opinion, as you try to practice uh, the faith today. But one of the things that that can kind of devolve into, uh, well, it devolves a couple of places, and and one of them is what you've mentioned, which is uh, this idea that it's just about, ironically, just being able to choose what you would like, you know, whenever you would want. Um, and there's so much in that kind of philosophy that uh, is deeply borrowed, 
you know, by the culture to, you know, support and endorse, you know, activities that are antithetical to the life of grace, um, and, you know, end of God. And so, uh, obviously, you know, as Catholics, we believe we're not just, you know, supposed to be free from things. And it's like the faith is not just, you know, kind of a legalistic avoid these bad things. No, it's uh, it's actually so much more about, you know, being free to really make that gift, that full gift of yourself, which you are not capable of doing if you don't possess yourself in the first place. You know, and this is modeled for us perfectly, you know, by our Lord on the cross. You know, that that act of sacrifice, you know, which is the heart of reality is you know i have a crucifix on my desk there's nothing about that that looks like fun you know but that's what our lord did to take on sin and suffering and to make a perfect sacrifice to remediate it so that we could live in grace and i think that's the perfect model for us that then the saints live out and all of their different expressions and charisms um all of a sudden you find i mean you see them like who who of them lived comfortably ever after i mean not not a single one you know and they, they enter into their own callings they make their own sacrifices you know not just for themselves but you know but for the world and to participate in christ's sacrifice and and so too for us you know it's not just about avoiding things it's really about making that gift of yourself and uh, really sacrificing the things that are most important, uh, you know, really in order to do that. And so with Exodus and, and, and all of our work and programming, probably especially Exodus 90, you know, it's not just about what you give up. That's not even the point. You know, that's the means, you know, to the end of making a gift, you know, of yourself. And, and for most of our guys who are married with children, you know, making that gift and making those sacrifices to be the father, to be the husband, you know, that you are called to be, that the Lord is asking you to be, and that your family, you know, frankly deserves. Um, so that's what freedom is, you know, it, it's not freedom from, it's freedom for. Um, and that is so important to crystallize in one's understanding. Thank you. Thank you, James, uh, for making that distinction. That's that's probably the way I should have said it. Okay, that's right. Freedom for, you know, Christ, freedom to pursue the good. Um, and it's important that we talk like this, because, sorry, our culture in America is a swamp. Um, it really is. The swamp is not just in, in, you know, Washington. New Jersey, in New Jersey. <laughs> all right. By the Meadowlands. Okay. The swamp is all over the place and it's called American culture. And we need strong voices, um, it, it, particularly amongst Catholic men to, you know, shout it from the rooftops, man. You know what you're doing. This is not, this is not what we're supposed to be doing as a culture. And it really is in many ways depraved, but let me, let me throw it over to Joe, Joe Racinello. There's a lot you said, James, to unpack there. Um, it it kind of was making me think of some of the work I've done with pre-Cana. For those who don't know, it's preparing people to get married. Um, people don't know what marriage is, but people don't know a lot of guys, believe it or not, what a man is. They don't. They have these twisted views. Why I bring up pre-Cana is most people are going to get married. It's just, you know, some become priests, some become brothers, some become monks, most get married. They think you're just going to flip the switch and you're going to possess, you know, the disciplines and, and basically the mindset that is going to make for a successful marriage. It does, that does not work that way. I mean, to, to be married successfully means you're selfless. And that is hard. That is not easy. And I think this is a program whereby that could prepare someone for that. Because ultimately, you're not going to flip the switch and get up at 2 o'clock in the morning and clean vomit when you're child and you're exhausted. You're not going to give up 
the car you like, the vacations you like, the house you want to buy. This is all part of being a married man. And that's a mindset. And this is something that prepares one for that. Talk about that because the crisis basically in, I think, marriage. Let's Before we even get into like masculinity, people don't know what marriage is. Mm-hmm. And I think this is a program that if I was a bishop, I, I would expand pre-Cana, but that's I, I would never be a bishop, James. I'd be killed. That is a fact. <laughs> I would be dead. But if I was, this is something I would think about for people, men who are getting married, because you're about to die to yourself if you want to have a good marriage. And this is a program that can help you with that. Direct that towards married men and the true idea of masculinity. Yeah, so I have a devotion to the martyrs, as I am sure you do. I look at their testament and just their witness that, you know, life is, uh, well, beyond the grave. You know, I think it's articulated perfectly in the martyrs. You know, they they made a bet, you know, on, on eternal life, and that's expressed in their death, you know, for our Lord. And one of the things that I reflect on often is the North American martyrs, who I very much believe that, you know, my faith and our faith and uh, anyone practicing the faith, the full faith, like it's a it's a fruit of those sacrifices. That's kind of how I, I try to look at it. And one of the things I think about with Isaac Jobes, you know, Jean de Brebeuf, like they don't just give their lives one day, you know, you know, to to the Indians effectively for Christ. They don't have their fingernails ripped out, you know, and they don't see themselves boiled alive, which is what happened to them, just one day randomly. In fact, it's so deeply connected to the sacrifices and the choices that they made throughout their entire lives that prepared them for the ultimate sacrifice, which they made, and of which I and both of you and most of your listeners are experiencing the fruit of today. Um, And I think that kind of perfect image of the martyrs, if you will, which is why we believe martyrs are in heaven um, immediately, uh, is because like we too, as married men today, we don't just, it doesn't just happen. Like small choices every day build and build and build, you know, to ultimately and to giving of yourself. Um, You know, it's so important, just like you've said, not to just think like, okay, when I am married, I will do X. It's like, well, start now such that you can be in a place to give that kind of sacrifice. I say this, I've been married now for four and a half years. I have two kids under the age of three, got another, uh, another coming on the way, which is very exciting. And all these things I used to talk about, you know, pre-marriage and pre-kids are just like enfleshed for me in these little faces in my home. And it's way harder than I ever thought that it would be to live these things that I talk about. And every single day I'm confronted with my selfishness and the ways in which I still have my preferences over my family and my kids. And I think that what I am learning through this, and you know, you guys have probably learned in your, your experience too, is that all of these things are opportunities and you can choose the Lord and you can choose your family or you can choose yourself. And there are some days you choose both, you know, but obviously one cho- one of those choices is better than the other and leads down to a path that, of true fulfillment. And the other just leads to greater selfishness and resentment and bitterness. Um, and that's the choice, I think, before every man as he gets married. Um, it's, it's, it's a beautiful sacrament, but boy, it's a mess. And every day is a new battle, you know, uh, to, 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 to think first, to think it, or, you know, really to put your vocation first and not yourself. And, um, 
I say this off the holiday where I look back on on it and I'm like, man, there are parts of that that were awesome. <laughs> there are other parts of that that were not. And um, all of those are, you know, opportunities for me to grow and to be a better husband and a better father. Let me ask you this. Uh, James Baxter, for those of you just joining us, is joining us at the front line with Joe and Joe. He is the CEO of Exodus 90. Uh, James, real quick, where's the, uh, where's the website? Uh, for Exodus 90, uh, so that after this conversation, uh, men could go on there and find out more. Absolutely. Yeah. You just go to startexodus90.com. That's startexodus90.com. There you can learn all about how uh, the process works, a bunch of testimonies of guys who have come before you, frequently asked questions, uh, resources for for wives, you know, of husbands who are interested in this. Uh, you know, we've got, got everything there. So startexodus90.com. Yeah, and we definitely in, encourage everyone out there to do so. Um, so, I mean, you guys, we were talking about, let's say, obviously, marriage, um, authentic masculinity. I mean, being, you know, you mentioned the crucifix, you know, there, no greater love, no greater love than that. You know, that self-sacrificing love that Christ Christ shows us on the cross. What What's what's the in your view? James Baxter, what is your view? Like, what is the the root cause of this problem, do you think? I mean, it can't just be, or maybe I'm wrong. I mean, the individual things that we get, become enslaved to, whether you think about pornography, whether you think about maybe drugs or or cigarettes or things like that, um, or unless you think it is. But what in your mind is the root cause? What's causing all this? Because men didn't act this way. I mean, again, I, I'm, I'm not saying men were perfect 100 years ago or 1,000 years ago. But we're losing any sense of a masculine identity, particularly in America. Uh, what do you think is the root cause of this? Yeah, taking a step back and kind of looking down over this, um, it is absolutely impossible when you look at just how history has progressed over the last 50 years, you know, to not see a, at times subtle, but other times explicit assault on masculinity and man of the day. And we experience this in kind of like a social and political realm, but that that's third order, you know, that's, that's, that's on, you know, that's not a symptom, you know, you know, or, or sorry, that's not a cause that's just a symptom. And so for me, I think when we take a step back, which I try to do all the time, where are we in history? Where are we in church history? I see the devil just slaying us on every single side. And the question is like, well, why is that the case? You know, like, what is it about? husbands and fathers, you know, that are so, you know, so, so like such a source of focus for him. Um, and it's obviously the case because, you know, fathers are the single greatest predictive factor on whether or not kids practice the faith as an adult. You know, when moms practice the faith and dad doesn't, and she can be as faithful as, you know, I'll get out. There's about a 2% chance that those kids will practice the faith. Effectively zero, Okay. When the father practices the faith, regardless of whether the mom does or not, it's a two-thirds to three-quarter chance that those kids practice the faith as an adult, which is insane. But yeah. all of this is confirmed, and not just in the Catholic tradition. It's confirmed in the other world religions as well. Fathers shape you know, a child's relationship with the external world and with reality. And that sounds abstract, but it's actually super concrete You know, with, with everything. Your dad does a lot to orient you to how you, you experience everything, whether you like that or not. Um, now, the devil, of course, will just try to, oh, dad doesn't matter. Dad's fat and, you know, eats whatever, watches sports and isn't involved, you know? Yeah, that is a total lie. 
<laughs> you know, in fact, like the gravity of the lie is that, well, it's, it's a lie. I mean, it's directly wrong. It's, it's that actually matters a ton. Uh, and so I would simply say like, what's the root of this? I mean, well, sin is the root of this. And, you know, where does that first sin come from? I mean, certainly, you know, the devil's unwillingness to serve the Lord, uh, which has reverberated into to, to, to history and to everything in reality. And so um, I would simply say that the stakes couldn't be higher, you know, and men's formation could not matter more. And, you know, the extent to which you might believe it doesn't is actually, you know, it's directly the opposite of that. You know, it's never mattered more, um, especially kind of when you look at how things have devolved over the last 50, 60 years. James Baxter, one thing we say on the show all the time is, and again, a lot of well-intentioned, good people, I'm not judging anybody here, um, who say, wow, the country looks like it's it's a mess and the the the, the you know the culture sucks and 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 I fear for my my son who goes to a public school. What the what the heck is he gonna learn? And Joe and I, our response first and foremost, okay, and we practice this ourselves, is you want to see the problem or you want to know the problems uh, or why there's problems in our country? Let's all go collectively look in the mirror first, okay, and determine whether or not we're doing the things that are necessary, okay, to form our, our children, as you just described, okay? I was away from the faith for 20 years. Now, God, God rest my father's soul. My father was not going to Mass. My mother was, okay? And I, I turned away from the faith for 20 years. I didn't live like a Catholic, okay? And I'm trying not, I'm trying to be the opposite of that for my son, okay? Going to mass, praying the rosary, all those things that the culture would look at and just say, like, they would poo-poo all that and say, no, 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 we, we, we get reality. We understand the reality of the situation. I think that's why the culture fears and the devil fears strong Catholic men, because we get it. We, we, we see his, you know, we, we, we pray the St. Michael prayer. We see his tactics and, and and all that. Again, that's that's my little spiel. You read the saints, and then you observe their lives, and you read their journals. You know what they experienced, and what they saw, and what they knew, and what they suffered. You know, manifest that in a thousand, thousand, thousand ways. <laughs> and um, that's true today. That's true right now. In all of the abstractions and distractions, you know, and addictions of our time, and. Um, we have to wake up. And the only way to wake up is through intimacy with God, you know, a life of self-denial and discipline and accountability. You know, that's, that's, that's my view of it. You know, that's the only way to go against the grain and to be more like the saints than not. Well, we're going to get into a little bit more of the details after the break, um, just to give people a flavor of Exodus 90, you know, uh, and break it down a little bit, what it's about. Joe Resinello, we could start a question uh, for about a minute or two before we go to a break. So where do you want to go? Well, when James was talking about stepping back, I try to do that sometimes while we're on the show. Uh, James, I have all types of friends. Um very religious friends and very secular friends. I work in the corporate world. Um, I have childhood friends that haven't been to church since we went to CCD. And then I have friends that are like going adoration. So I sometimes try to step back and say to myself, are people relating to what we're saying? Because I agree with everything you said, every single word, every word. But for the people who are driving in their car, listening to this, what I would say to you is this. Your children are getting eaten alive because they are. Just look out the window in your neighborhood. Look at the relationships on in your family. 
your friends' marriages. They are getting eaten alive. And why do I say that? Not to rub your face in it. We need God. And we need a way to jumpstart things. And this is what this program does. It jumpstarts it. Let's, and that's a great place to come back to after the break, okay? And give our audience out there uh, you know, a little flavor for, for what Exodus 90 entails and how it could be helpful. James Baxter, the CEO of Exodus 90, is joining us here at the front line with Joe and Joe on the Veritas Catholic Radio Network. Uh, this is a great discussion, James, and we're, we're so thrilled that you're on the show to talk to Catholic Radio Works. And now we have it here in Connecticut and New York. It's been seen around the country that there's no better tool for evangelization. Where there's Catholic radio, the folks who listen deepen their faith. Families are strengthened. Parishes and communities flourish. So let people know you're listening to Veritas. Tell your friends to tune in. And let's make an impact here for Jesus and his church. This is Steve Lee for Veritas Catholic Network. Welcome back, everyone, to the front line with Joe and Joe, Joe Pasillo and Joe Rosanello. We are way in the breach with James Baxter, the CEO of Exodus 90. So we ended the last segment where Joe Rosanello was talking about maybe getting a kickstart here. You know, maybe, you know, a lot of guys, ourselves included. I'm not, I'm not. I'm not. Believe me when I tell you, I need Exodus 90 more than most. Okay, but uh, have a little bit of a shock. You know, like and 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 kind of brings you back on that right path. So talk a little bit about that if you don't mind, please. I think it's helpful at times to to do a bit of a reset, you know, and and I, I think that's important when you think about where do you want to be in five, 10 years? Where do you want to take your family? Where do you want to be professionally? And I often find that men don't think in the same terms as it relates to, you know, their relationship with God. And uh, I think it's really important at times to, to really do that reflection. And I think Exodus can be a, a really helpful reset, a reprioritization of the first things. Uh, and so everything we do at Exodus, this is with Exodus 90, it's with all of our other programs. And we have 25 others now, you know, that serve the, the formation of, of men for different reasons and different virtues. But everything comes back to three things, and that's prayer, the ascetic life, and fraternity. So for us, you know, Exodus 90 is about taking that time every single day and putting oneself before the Lord. And we do that not just through reading the Bible, which we do. We read through the book of Exodus. Uh, we do that through reading reflections, which help you enter into that story, which we do. And that's fine. But all of that is meant to lead you into time of silent prayer, you know, where you are before the Lord and he is influencing you and he is speaking to you and he is shaping you. And um, that's hard at the start. It's really hard when you're distracted and you don't pray at the beginning, but over time and through the process, you start to see that this invisible stuff really matters and the Lord is alive and he speaks and he moves when you just create that space for him to do so. Uh, so prayer, you know, is really important. That's a fundamental part of Exodus uh, and it's, a, it's an important part of that reset, that jolt uh, that you described. Everyone talks about the ascetic or uh, the asceticism of Exodus 90. Uh, the truth is that when you look in the catechism, that word appears many times. When you look at the lives of the saints, it's all over them. <laughs> when you look at the life our Lord lived, it's perfectly there. Um, I'd say the extent to which it seems radical or it seems um, what you know, whatever, weird or odd, it's like, ah, I think you're probably adrifted farther from the church than you really think. Um, it's just fundamental to being a Catholic. You can't do whatever you want, whenever you want, and get anywhere close to the life that Christ has called you to. 
Uh, it's often, you know, through the path of renunciation. It's often through saying no, even to good things, some of which are not intrinsically sinful, um, that we open ourselves to God, you know? So as important as asceticism is, you know, one of the things we talk about regularly and that St. Jerome said perfectly was that, you know, asceticism is but a means to an end, which is union with God. So it's not about proving anything. It's not about just doing hard things. It's not about just climbing a hill for the sake of it. Uh, we don't run Spartan races, you know, at Exodus. It's about disposing you to an interior life with God and for him to really open up uh, your life and, and redirect it and, re and, and change it. Um, and asceticism really kind of supports that end. And lastly, accountability. Guys need encouragement and accountability from other men, you know, and uh, there's there's just something in a, you know a, a true fraternity where you're known, your struggles are, are 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 there, where you're not selling anybody anything. You're just being really real about what you face. It's in that setting that so much can happen that can't happen really without it. Um, and I, when I look at even the scandals in the church, it's like all of it, all of it comes down to a lack of accountability uh, at the leadership level, but certainly at the personal level. Uh, you were not known. You drifted and you became isolated and you made some really bad decisions. Um, and and we're all ultimately we're all capable of terrible things. We're all capable of great evil um, and other people, others faces you know, to whom you can be accountable to and to whom you can be encouraged when you do struggle uh, is just so important. And so um, those are the, the the three pillars of our work at Exodus, prayer, asceticism, and fraternity. And uh, you need all of them. You need all of them, I think, to, to really wake up to the high calling and task that every single man, no matter his state in life, you know, no matter his age, no matter his skills or gifts has, that's um, so important that those are lived in your life. And if they're not, you know, maybe maybe now's a chance to to give it a run, give it a go, and see how it goes. I, I couldn't agree with you more. Uh, my experience with Exodus ninety was the, the, the probably the most valuable part of it was the fraternity, because of the accountability. You know what I mean? It, it, you know, to to be able to say to your brothers who and it's a struggle. Don't get me wrong. It, 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 it's rough. OK. Um, it, and I don't mean to turn people off that way, but it does require you to take a real step up. This is not about just not eating meat on Fridays. OK. Um, and God bless those who do. And we all obviously shouldn't eat meat on Fridays. But you know what I mean? It, it really is a challenge without the fraternity. I said this to my wife. I said, if I wasn't talking to those guys at least once a week, I said, I'd be toast. I, I, I you know, and, and I felt bad when I when I when I, I came up short. You know, like with some of the, particularly the ascetical practices, um, but the, to be held accountable, to say, come on, Joe, you got to do better. You know, to say to another brother, you know, I, I get what you're going through. Maybe maybe my weakness is not theirs and theirs is not mine. So we can help one another in that way. Without my, This is all my long winded way of saying without the fraternal aspect, you're not going to be able to do this. You have just, to get with with your Catholic brothers. Go ahead, James. Yeah, and I just jump in there and say there is no perfect exodus. And that's not even the point. I mean, think back to the beginning of this, this show, what I talked about. You know, our version of Christianity in the United States devolves when it just becomes legalism and, you know, a kind of puritanism. That's not the point. You know, there is no perfect exodus is something I say all the time. I mean, look at the, the journey of the Israelites in the book of Exodus for the love of God. I mean, it's up, down. It's all around. It's unbelievably depressing. But when you're honest with yourself, it's like totally your life. Right. I mean, like it's totally my life. I mean, and I, I mean, this is it's my life right now. Honestly, it's funny. It's you funny know? you say that because I was thinking, like, I remember waking up every day and, and going on the app, and it's like, 
okay, you you just left Egypt. You know, like now you're at that part. I'm thinking about I'm thinking about where I'm at in Exodus. He's like, yeah, okay, I, I did. I just I just left Egypt. Now it's getting rough. <laughs> but if you're just joining us, James Baxter, the CEO of Exodus 90, is uh, with us at the front line with Joe and Joe on the Veritas Catholic Radio Network. Joe Resinello. I want to uh, talk about the asceticism a little bit because I think that could scare some people. Um, all people who are successful, Catholic or not, are disciplined. You don't have to like the person. You don't have to like Donald Trump. You don't have to like Jeff Bezos. You don't have to like, you name it, Bill Gates. I don't know these people, but I will bet you that they are disciplined and they have a self-mastery of themselves. You do not achieve anything in life unless you have discipline. That's number one, and I think America has drifted from that. That's my first point that I want to make, and this is a program that could allow you to get that discipline, and we highly recommend it. But number two, and this is as a Catholic man, um, I have over the years um, always have had a pretty rigorous Lent, and Advent as well. And what I have found, this is me speaking personally, and you touched on it, but I want to explore this a little bit. It becomes an idol, what you're doing. I think that's a danger because when you're in Lent, the idea is you're focusing on Easter, not on that you gave up coffee, you're not drinking, you're not eating meat, and you're blah, 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 blah. That's a danger because you will focus. This is what I have done. I put these things in front of me and all of a sudden, all I focus on is, damn, I want a cup of coffee. Damn, I want a glass of scotch. Damn. And we'll keep going on and on and on and on. And I'm, I'm forgetting about Easter. So it becomes, or what you said, it's an idol. Look at me. I just blah, 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 blah. And we're missing the point. Talk about that because, you know, I think that's big. That would be me because I think guys set these, these you know, hurdles for themselves. Like, oh, my gosh, I bench pressed 350 pounds. I ran a marathon and I swam across the Nile River. Well, who cares? How's that sound? <laughs> Do you know what I'm saying? Like, talk about that because I think that's big. It affects me that way. Absolutely. I think it's, I mean, I just go back to that quote from St. Jerome who lived an incredible life, an incredibly silent, disciplined life in a cave. Uh, and it's uh, Western civilization, um, despite some of his rows with other saints. And, uh, you know, what, what does he say? What does he have to say about this? <laughs> it's like asceticism is a means, a means to an end, you know, and it should not be mistaken when you, when you start on the path. And I just think that um, those those pitfalls are really important to acknowledge. You know, when you begin a life of prayer, asceticism, and fraternity, um, it's easy to either become inflated with yourself, you know, um, you know, or to get discouraged when you struggle and when you fall. And both of those things are pitfalls to avoid. And certainly, uh, in all of our work at Exodus, we do a, a good job, I think, of calling men to a high standard, but then also to really enter into kind of the deep spiritual significance. Um, of these practices and of these ancient parts of our faith, um, as neglected as they are in, in current times. And I would say, like, there is a strain in, in our culture today uh, of kind of a disciplined mindset. You know, I think this is articulated probably best uh, in, you know, somebody like a Jocko Willink, but 
you're right. I mean, like when you really kind of do deep dives on like successful CEOs, Tim Cook, as an example, I just learned this. He wakes up every day at 3.45 a.m. and spends his first hour and a half of every single day reading customer reviews of Apple products. Seems like a crazy way to start your day. You know, it's like, why, why would he do that? You know, um, but you look at what he's pulling off. It's just like, well, yeah, it's not on accident. That's for sure. I mean, his whole life, you know, as much of it we might disagree with is embedded into this corporation, which is the largest that the world has ever seen. And so, you know, that 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 intensity, though, is it's not just for us as Catholics. It has a bigger meaning than just a worldly success. It has a, a bigger meaning um, than just doing hard things. You know, the truth is, is we need these standards to keep us accountable, to give us a challenge, to give us something to shoot for. Um, but then ultimately we also need the grace of God to help us to even get there and then to, to, to pick us up when we fall and when we fail and we definitely will, uh, because, you know, Joe, you said this really well, it's like Exodus 90 to me is not so much about the 90 days of Exodus. It's about what is that encounter with the resurrected Christ on Easter Sunday? You know, and as you go through Advent, is it about, you know, the, those four weeks, you know, or is, or is it about being at the nativity, you know, with God become a man and a baby, you know, which is just mind bending and shattering, you know, to really enter into and to, to come to grips with. Um, and the truth is, I think that the more we enter into the season and the more we take on a standard, if we can avoid those pitfalls, it puts us into a place to really encounter these, these mysteries. And then every year to just go back to them in this beautiful cycle of kind of re-entry, you know, into the life of our Lord um, and to a, a life lived in participation with his will and, and his calling for us. Absolutely. Uh, James Baxter is joining us here at the front line with Joe and Joe. Exodus 90. He is the CEO. Um, let's talk a little bit about, about prayer. Um, I know this from my own experience. I am infinitely better off. I'm, just, I'm, I, I'm talking about my relationship with God, but I'm also talking about overcoming obstacles that come out, particularly men, on a daily basis. Okay. Um, I'm infinitely more capable of of dealing with the world and the temptations of the world, the obstacles that the that the world throws in our way when I'm in in daily prayer, okay? Yeah, in this case I will say that regimented prayer. I know people don't like that word, okay? But a routine of prayer, particularly the rosary, is infinitely valuable to be able to protect ourselves from a lot of the things that we have to deal with as Catholic men. Prayer is central to Exodus 90. Just like you said about fraternity. It's not an accident. The, the asceticism, the fraternity, and the prayer, they all go together. Don't say, well, I'll pray, but I won't do the asceticism. Or I'll do the asceticism, but I don't want to talk to the guys because I ate meat today. Or I took a warm shower instead of a cold shower. Whatever. All right? We got to get away from that. It's all intertwined. Focus. Talk about the prayer part of it, uh, James Baxter, because we uh, just in general, even outside of Exodus 90, I don't think that particularly as Catholic men, I don't think we're praying enough and we need to. Um, your thoughts on that? Yeah, I, honestly, I, I said earlier that, you know, half of the equation of our lives is invisible. And even more than that, you know, every single day, like what we see with our eyes is just not like fully what's going on. And without a prayer life, it is absolutely impossible to see, to know, you know, and really to, to, to accomplish anything that you're supposed to. Um, and, and when I look at my own life and I, you know, I don't, I don't stand here today as this 
perfect figure of prayer asceticism or fraternity. In fact, part of the reason I care so much about this stuff is that I know that I need this stuff and I just want to share it, you know, with others, you know, who might, might be in need of it too. But when I look at like a concrete day in which I did not give God the full time that I committed to him, it's just the, the loss is mine because I'm not nearly as aware of what's going on. I'm not nearly as present to my spouse or my kids. Um, and it's just, it's just, it's impossible to see. Like it's a vision problem when we stop praying, you know, it's just kind of like you, you, you just get dull, you get dull and, and, and you just devolve into like what, you know, what, what your senses can kind of pick up. And the, the truth is, is that we are in need of such grace, inspiration, support, and help every day for almost everything. <laughs> and, um, only that can be be really accomplished and experienced and received um, from a contemplative stance and you know and from a from a lived prayer life and you know one of the things I keep encountering recently in my conversations with men is just like well how do I know it's real you know and how do I know that I'm talking to somebody not not myself and I, you know I have a, a view of that and I'd be interested in your guys' take on this but Jordan Peterson has this quote or exhortation to live as though God existed. <laughs> you know and just just make that bet you know like and, and what would change in your life you know if you did and and i i look at i i think there's a lot that's very profound you know and what he's pulling off you know for the world right now but that quote in particular i think is so useful as it relates to developing a confidence with god in your interior life like what if what if you acted on the things that he placed before you that otherwise are somewhat inexplicable and then what if you just continue to build that habit and continue to grow and continue to move, you know, and respond to, to his invitations before you? Um, I think it's, you know, over time, you know, when you can again take a step back, like from a providential view of things, from a, a salvation history view of things, that is exactly what we need today. Like there's not a there's not too much prayer going on in the world. There's not too much risking or venturing for God. You know, there's a total lack of it. And I think what I like to say to myself is I look at somebody like an Elon Musk and, you know, I'm grateful to be alive at a time that he's alive. He's very entertaining. I disagree with him on a lot of things. I don't think we share first principles on some very, you know, very important things. Other, th other times I do, and I'm really excited by what he's doing. But, but the reason why I'm so challenged by somebody like him is it's just like, well, what if I could venture like that, but with grace and, and for God and for the mission of the church? And that's how I look at my life. And that's how I look at the task before me. And ultimately, I think that there's a total lack in venturing, a total lack in risking, you know, with grace. And if at the end of our lives, like we look back on them, and they really wouldn't have been that different apart from grace or your prayer life or God. Like, man, what a missed opportunity, if this whole thing is real, which which it is. Um, right. Life should I, I, be very different because of your prayer life, and you should make different decisions, and you should make different bets, and uh, you should do things that are otherwise inexplicable. And I'm not asking for guys to not be prudent. Um, I'm not, you know, I'm not asking you to be stupid, but I am asking you to to take kind of the best of faith and reason, which are one actually, um, and your life should look very different because of what you pray through. I, I will say this. Um... And this, this, this goes back to what we said earlier in the conversation um, about freedom is sin weighs us down so much. 
here. Okay, I don't mind saying it. Okay, I'm 55 years old. I've been smoking cigarettes since I'm 15 years old. Okay, and I've thanked by the grace of God for the last couple of weeks, I've been tobacco free. I'm doing it for God. I'm trying not to focus actually on. I'm maybe subconsciously, I'm giving it up because Jesus wants me to, and yes, by extension, my wife and my son want me to. Okay. But one thing I'm realizing, and it pertains to this conversation, James Baxter, is that I'm I'm finding myself exceedingly more free at the end of every day. I don't smell like smoke. I don't have to lie to my wife and tell her, no, baby, I didn't have a smoke. Okay? I don't have to do any of that. And I think it's I, I and, and I find it, and I'm using this as an example, and I, I love your comment, Joe Racinello also, is yeah, I, I'm doing that for God. I'm doing that because God has a greater purpose for me. And I know that that's not part of what my life or that has no part in my life. And I need to jettison that. And there's there's such a freedom when I come home at night from work, having been out to say, no, I didn't smoke today. And I feel free. That means I could take on anything because that's been my biggest cross in life. Those those cigarettes have been my biggest cross in life. Um so yeah, I mean that that's that's my comment on that is that is that I'm light on my feet now. I'm 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 like Muhammad Ali now. You know what I mean? I could throw so I could throw a few a few stinging combinations because I'm not weighed down by that. And that obviously extends to all other like you said they might not even be sinful, okay? But they certainly are not good, and they certainly can be destructive. All right. And Exodus ninety is obviously something that puts you in that that mindset to jettison all this garbage from your life. So that's my two cents. Joe Resinello, I'd love yours. Well, I think we focus on the mediocre. Too many of us. Christ came to give us life and give it abundantly. There's many things that challenge us. This is one of them. This is not something that's easy. And I think someone could hear it and say, I can never do that. Well, let's look at some people who aren't in the church. I can never live a chase life. I'm single. I can never do that. I can never be open to life as a married couple. I can never do that. We are so much more than we think we are. It's like an iceberg. We just see the top of it. An iceberg goes down into the ocean deep. We just see the top. We have to sometimes open up ourselves and allow us to be stretched. Talk about that, James, because I think that this is like one of these things. It's like, you know, seeing like a 13-foot th- a monster and you're afraid. But if you stand up to the 13-foot monster, sometimes the monster falls down. We have to stretch ourselves because there's so much more to what and who we are than we think we can do. And I think that this is something that Exodus does. We have to allow ourselves to be stretched in order to be who God called us to be, which is great. Talk about that, because I think someone could hear this. They'd be like, this is daunting. I can never do it. No, you can. You can do it. Please talk about that, because I think, you know, we settle. We should never settle. Yeah, so I would just, I mean, Joe's example is a perfect one, right? I mean, you know, you faced a dragon, right? That's That's been in your history for, you know, decades. And, you know, in some of this kind of newfound freedom, you say you feel light on your feet. And now it's like, you know, 
I'll continue to pray for you. It's it's a very inspiring um, kind of example here. But as other things come up in your life, now it's like, well, it's not smoking. Like I can handle this. I have been through this and worse before. Like I've slayed a dragon, you know, in my life, which is ultimately what you're what you're expressing and what you're doing. And um, that that that's what I would say. It's like as you kind of really confront your life, your history, uh, your habits, um, you you do you build a huge momentum. You know, and and ultimately what's so powerful about this from a Catholic perspective is it's not just on you. Even, you know, half on you, <laughs> you know, you have grace, you have the sacraments, you have others to encourage you. And uh, kind of with that, coupled with, you know, a decision and, and, and good decisions, you know, you're capable of so much more than you would think. I would just say, too, when, as it relates to Exodus, the re only reason it grows is because guys like you experience and it a promise or they're looking for something that they need and they they risk and they they invite friends and one of the things i really encourage all men to do is to not put a bracket on god you'd be so surprised the men that need something like this that have been waiting for something like this you know who are not going to get back on the right path probably apart from this right now and because of your invitation and and i would just say as 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 intense as exodus can seem and it is a challenge and there are times in which it is tough and it is a struggle um the most surprising guys you would ever think are capable of it and more and i have the joy of speaking with them every day and uh you know average guys guys who don't pray regularly guys who have not donned the doorstep of a church in forever find themselves in these fraternities and uh it's it's just incredible to watch what you know a, a life a challenge that's kind of embedded into the truths of our faith can do uh to, to to awaken surprising people you know that are not perfect cookie cutter catholics um you know, but seeing it a promise that they need right now and couple that with grace and your invitation and just magic happens, man. I, I would I would say this, James Baxter, uh, real quick, because we have, probably have time for one more question. That that 13 foot monster that Joe Resinello was talking about, that is a thing, whatever that thing might be that you've convinced yourself you cannot do without in life. Yeah. That's the monster. It, it, it's pornography. It's cigarettes for some people. It's alcohol for others. It's uh, living a sexually liberated lifestyle for others. You can't imagine your life without it. And that's the monster that you need to slay. It's okay? the success, you know, that you are chasing endlessly. You know, um, it's yeah, you, you said this. Well, it's that house. It's that car. It's like it's that hamster wheel. You know, it's 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 all those things. And and as men, it's so hard because we have this task to provide, to protect and to establish you know, our wives and our children. And that's such a beautiful, like, calling that is just embedded into the fabric of what it means to be a man. But the devil uses all of those things to just like, hey, let's move the goal line. Hey, you know, let's try harder. Hey, let's let's take this this risk we don't need to take. And um, that that's what's so challenging about being a man today. It's like even the best things, the good things, the heart of our vocations can become temptations. Um, so it's not just the, the sins, right? Like those are true and, and those are a challenge. But I, I think deep down, guys are just just on hamster wheels that they don't need to be on. Yeah. Well, they need to they need to jump off that hamster wheel. I got 30 seconds, 30 to 45 seconds for the two of you. Joe Rasinello, final comments, and then James, final comments on Exodus 90 that you can find at startexodus990.com. Joe Rasinello, I got about 30 seconds for you. Get out of the boat. <clears throat> James, you got out of the boat. You did. 
you started something um, and God has used it. You got out of the boat. You mentioned CEOs. They got out of the boat. Maybe not in the same direction as someone who's pursuing holiness. Maybe they are. I don't know. I'm not in their heart. Um, men have to get out of the boat. You get out of the boat, great things happen. You stay in the boat, to be honest with you, nothing happens. Talk about how basically shortly, James, did you ever think that this was going to take off the way it did? Because it did. You James know what I'm got saying? got about 30 seconds. Yeah. No, it's a beautiful thing. I mean, I started on this when I was 24 years old, broke with no network, and I've never done anything before, frankly. And uh, there's a two twofold answer to that. Uh, no, I mean, it was terribly unlikely that tens of thousands of men a few years later. Now I have a team of 15 that that would happen. You know, but on the flip, you know, I did have a contemplative life and the Lord was just so clear that the impact of this was in the future. Uh, so if you're part of that journey with us this year, Exodus 90 starts on January 9th. I encourage you to make a discernment, make a prayer, consider those men in your life that are in need of a, a life-giving and a liberating spiritual exercise like Exodus 90. It's awesome. Start Exodus 90, 90. Start Exodus 90.com. James Baxter, man, this was a great conversation. Um, a very helpful conversation for many men out there. Um, and it's very inspiring. Um, I'm going to see if there's a fraternity here in Scottsdale, Arizona. Now, I know there's a lot of good Catholic men here. See if we can get something started um, come the beginning of January. So thank you so much, brother, for coming on the show. You're welcome back to the front line with Joe and Joe anytime. Joe and Joe, thank you so much, brothers. God bless you. God bless you, and thank you all out there for joining us at the Veritas Catholic Radio Network, 1350 on your AM dial, 103.9 on your FM dial, spreading the truth of the Catholic faith to the New York City metropolitan area. And remember until the next time that our conversation is your conversation, and that conversation is going on everywhere. We'll talk to you soon.